gracious to us, and we shared about Rama a little bit. And I wanted to kind of continue studying about. So this afternoon, uh, let us speak a little bit more about Rama. And what it is, is that uh, I use Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, very, very familiar passage of scripture. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vows of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world's rulers of the darkness of this age and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, Stand therefore, having the utility belt of truth buckle around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having fitted your feet with preparation, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yes, I'll stop there. Yeah, I'll like said uh, I went to, to, to quite quickly uh, that the, uh, the six parts to this arm of God and I went into some detail explaining how Paul used this metaphor of the elite Roman soldiers the, the, the best of the best so to speak and the to portray some very, very interesting things about how we face uh, daily, so to speak, battles uh, coming from high places. 
Uh, it was a transformation because I, I, I wanted to lean on certain things. Um, uh, there are six parts in this armor. The first part is the Philippine belt of truth. The second part is the breastplate of righteousness. The third part is the fitted sandals, the feet of the gospel of peace. Uh, the fourth part is the shield of faith. And the fifth part is the helmet of salvation. But the sixth part is the soul of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now what I carefully have said in my writings and in my preaching over the years is that, uh, and of course last Thursday night, all these things that are mentioned there, the, the first five of them are for defense. The helmet, the shield, Shotted sandals, the breastplate, which is in the front and the back, the belt that held uh, everything together. But the fifth part was the only part that was an offensive weapon. And I wanted to key in on that uh, somewhat. Because the sixth part where it says is the soul of the spirit, which is the word of God. Word there is Rhema. Word there is Rhema. It's one of just uh, less than a handful of times that Rhema is used in the Bible. Uh, like I've said, because there are other words for word in Koine uh, Greek. There's logos, there's nomos. Uh, those are translated as word, uh, but only uh, a hand, less than a handful of times the word word is translated as rhema. If you can, it's not a big deal, but if you can, you don't have to say a rhema word, because rhema is a word. That's what we translate it as, and that's what it is, word. But it is a spoken word. And as I said uh, in my book many years ago, rhema as scripture is used to repel evil situations that sometimes arise in your life. Rhema is scripture which is spoken for a particular event or a particular purpose. Rhema can be a single word, a verse, or verses that you speak out aloud. I know that might sound a bit tedious, uh, but I have to emphasize that really what makes Rhema a Rhema, 
what make what the word word of rhema is when it is spoken of. That's when it becomes an offensive weapon. I describe on Thursday night and at other times that this was a short soul, that the soldiers were very skilled at. They were trained, they were trained extensively and became very adept in using this short soul, no more long dagger one would say, because combat was close. You fought in close combat, so you don't want to cut yourself and your and, and, and your bodies beside you. You want to be, you want to do offensive measures to the people who are attacking you at close quarters and don't allow the rank to the column to be breached. There's a whole lot of this, of course, in this passage of scriptures, and I'm sure that you've heard uh, many beautiful sermons and teachings about it uh, from many people. But tonight I wanted to do something, this afternoon I wanted to do something very specific. So if you have the Bible before you, or you can reach one, um, I want us to look at Luke 4, and I want to share from verse 1 to verse 13. Luke 4, verse 1 to 13. And the reason for this, I wanted to go through, and you have to use the Lucan, the Lucan um, version. The version of this is not the Gospel of Luke. Because I wanted to show you, get into some more details from my book uh, and, and, and other things as I said before, about the importance and the power of Rhema. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing in these in those days. Afterward, when they were completed, when the days were completed, he was hungry. The devil said to him, "If sometimes you can think about it this way, since you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread." Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil, leading him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, 
I will give you all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I want. If you therefore, since you therefore will worship, if, if you would worship me, uh, it, it will be all yours. Jesus answered him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Read verse 9. He led him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give you his angels, He will give his angels charge concerning you and guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest perhaps you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answering said to him, It has been said, it has been said, it has been said, not it has been written, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. When the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him until another time. There were three temptations that Satan tried to use against Jesus. The first was the attempt to tempt Jesus with food. The second was to the attempt to tempt Jesus with power. The third was the attempt to tempt Jesus to abuse his power. Now, Jesus answered the first and second temptation, quoting the Bible, it is written. And let's let's go to from to where Jesus quoted from. The first time it was Deuteronomy two and three. So let's let's go there. This is where I wanted to get the nitty gritty of things this afternoon. Deuteronomy. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you 
to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his command commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So it was essentially that last part of verse 3 that Jesus <coughs> is saying to the devil, it is written. <coughs> All right. The second temptation that Jesus quoted as it is written comes from Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. So let's go to Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, and verse 13. fear the Lord your God and serve him when you take an oath you must use only his name that was the second temptation that Jesus responded to it is written the first in Deuteronomy 8 Section 13, that uh, you must fear the Lord your God and serve him. And when you take an oath, you must use only his name. Now, uh, I understand what people are saying, what they mean, uh, but it's not quite on target. When they say, well, you know, the devil, the devil tempted Jesus, the devil don't know the scripture. Well, from this, the devil knew exactly where these scriptures are, what it said, and I dare so, I dare say also he knew how Jesus would respond. It is written. All right, but the third temptation after Satan quoted the scripture saying, it is written, and I want to show you something here. If we go to Psalms 91, I'll show you what the devil is doing. Psalms 91. This is all engineered skillfully and uh, 
a study that can go into this, uh, but for our purpose today, we you know we wouldn't we won't go into everything, but uh, not much at all. But let's go to Psalm 91, 11, and 12, and compare that to what the devil said to uh, Jesus in the third temptation. Okay. Psalms 91. All right. Okay. Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Now, if I paraphrase here, uh, you know, uh, 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 let, let me quote directly. What I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I have this power to give you, and I, and, and I, I can control it, and, and and this, let me put it this way, you know, you know, you know exactly what Psalm 91 says. You just throw yourself down off that pinnacle, because it certainly says, hmm, the angel will rescue you. Listen, I, I'm here for you if, you know, if what you believe is not so. Go back to the original text that we shared. And the devil was actually saying these things. We can be audacious to say that the devil is trying to use rhema against Jesus. First of them, Jesus said, this is written. But the devil didn't really specify from where it was coming. The third time, they would say, yeah, 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 this is the Psalm 91. That's what it says. If Jesus answered by quoting scripture, by not, he did not say, it is written. First two times, it's written. This time, he says, it is said. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6 and 16. Deuteronomy 6 and 16. You must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Massa. 
this is very, very intriguing and interesting stuff and very helpful to us in our spiritual walk. Hear what Jesus said, and it's Rhema, he's speaking out loud. You know why the devil prayed for him? Essentially, I, I don't know the more reason, but I'll give you one essential one. Let's, let's, let's read Deuteronomy 6 and 16 again. Maybe read it slowly this time. You must not the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Martha. Yes, devil, let me paraphrase. You're trying not just to trick me. You're trying to be superior to me, but understand the nuance of what Jesus is saying, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, in our words, I'm above you. It is said, it is said, I am asserting this rhema right now. that I stand in the power and the might of God and I'm telling you according to Deuteronomy 6 and 16 you really can't keep me What a powerful rhema. As I've said over the years, I said last Thursday, the rhema is not really for us to go study a whole lot of scripture. The rhema, usually rhema, is exactly what we're doing today and what we do all the time. Go to Bible classes, attend power, listen to the word, attend Sunday school. And I've said this and written about this, and you would be amazed, maybe not you that I'm speaking to, but others would be amazed to almost scripture you're actually memorizing and internalizing. You know, Jesus has showed his disciples of this, that when you go before magistrate and people in power, the word, the rhema will come to you and you will be able to speak to them in, with authority. Amen. I, I want to stop here because uh, I want to give folks uh, a chance to uh, to chime in here. Uh, 